0: This week on Blue 58, we are almost to peak off-season. You can feel it in the temperature of the takes. Let's dive into a few and create some of our own. Here's one. Mike McCarthy is coaching for his job in 2018. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your fearless host, John Meerdink, excited to be with you here for episode number 70 Boy, we need to get to some actual stuff happening in this offseason. You can tell just by the kind of stuff that's being written about and talked about in NFL media. Good news, though, Combine is next week. The NFL free agency period opens not long after that. And then we are really off and running as we start talking about things like OTAs and the NFL draft and all sorts of things like that. You know offseason workouts can start as early as April 16th. It's barely a month and a half away exciting stuff and we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So let's dive right in. Following up on last week's episode about uh, money and things related to money, I think we've got a couple things to clean up there. First, uh, I've seen this this thing popping up all over Packers Internet and I think it, it relates pretty intensely to the things that we talked about last week or, or pretty in-depth of what we talked about last week, particularly as it relates to Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb, the people who want to see these guys get cut because they're just owed too much money. I got to push back on that assumption because I think there is an underlying assumption there that it's just going to be easy or possible to replace each of those guys with a guy who is at least as good as they are. And I don't think that's guaranteed. I think there's three paths forward with each one of these guys. You just keep them at the price that they are right now, you cut them out right, or you restructure them. The, the outcomes for uh, the cut or the, uh, the restructure of the keep are pretty, pretty easy to see. They're still going to be on the team for better or for worse um, at a varying level of price. But if you cut a guy, you still got to replace him. You got to have another guy who fills that role. The Packers need wide receivers. They need edge rushers right now. And they're going to need more of them if they decide to release Cobb and Nelson and Matthews. They may be able to replace them with guys that are at least as good or better. But that's not a guarantee. And at least two of those three guys, I'm still pretty confident, can be contributors in 2018. Cobbett and Matthews in particular. It's not a guarantee that you'd be able to find somebody at, at least as good as those guys either in the draft or in free agency. And we need to avoid the conclusion that it's just going to be easy to replace these guys because I don't think it's necessarily going to be. We also need to talk about getting people to take pay cuts. And I think there is a kind of, I don't know if you can call it peer pressure, it's not. Uh, But we establish narratives among fans, positive or negative or otherwise, that When a player does a particular thing, then he will have gained our approval. For these three guys, what they need to do to gain the approval of Packer fans now, it seems like, is either lose their jobs or take a lot less money to do their job. But a reader pointed out to me that there was a similar player to one of these three guys, not long, not too far in the past, for the Packers. And he did all of these things. He restructured his deal. He got cut. He came back. And nobody was ever happy. And that guy was A.J. Hawk. For years, he was he was the whatever the opposite of the apple of someone's eye is, you know, the object of scorn for Packers Nation as a whole, a bit of a whipping boy. But he did everything that was asked of him. He took less. Uh, they, the Packers even cut him outright before re-signing him as a at, a at a lesser deal. And still, nobody got off his back. That's due in part to where he was drafted, but I think there's also just something worth remembering here, and that. The fact that a certain group of people is never going to be satisfied, no matter what players are paid, no matter what they do, it's never going to be good enough for some people. I just don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of the people who never are going to be satisfied. Sometimes maybe you overpay somebody. Sometimes maybe he doesn't live up to his contract, but it's important to remember that you're know it's you not going to get an absolute win on every single player all the time. If a guy plays... 85% of what his contract deserves. Is that good enough for you? 90%, 93%, what's what's the level there? Does it have to be 75% or better? I don't know. But I think we need to to, to, to cut guys a little bit of slack. Sometimes you end up overpaying. Guess what? Every team in the league does that a little bit. Um, Mason Crosby is getting dragged into this a little bit too. It's just silly. Uh, we just, We clearly need more to talk about when we start parsing players' performances down to the just the the line items in their contracts. Um, That gets a little bit frustrating and gets old fast. So I think we got to move past that. Speaking of moving past things, how about we move past Josh Sitton? He has now been released by the Chicago Bears, or he is about to be released. He's going to be a free agent again. And uh, immediately we're jumping on the bandwagon. Should the Packers sign him? Should they bring him back? I think most people are pretty definitively against bringing him back. Uh, I have seen some support for for bringing him back to the Packers. Because, you know, in all, all fairness, the Packers do need some help on the offensive line guard being one of those places where they could use somebody. The problem with bringing back Josh Sitton, well, there's there's not just one. There are multiple problems to bring, bringing back Josh Sitton. First and foremost, he didn't leave the Packers under the most harmonious of circumstances, I think we can say pretty safely. Uh, and I don't think really anything has is, is probably changed between him and the Packers since 2016. It's been 18 months since he was released. Uh, not a whole lot of reason to think things are any bit any different. Secondly, the Packers released him because he was getting older and he had some consistent injuries. He was battling a back injury since about like 2011 or 2012 or whatever. And uh, now that he's going to be two years older, You think that back injury is going to be a whole lot better? I don't. That's not really how back injuries work. Once you've hurt your back, it's kind of just hurt for the rest of your life, especially if you are a 300-something-pound man doing a very physically demanding job, which Josh Sitton absolutely is. I don't anticipate his back issues continuing to be any better, and now he's just two years older. To top it all off, it's probably going to be an expensive contract for the level of play that you're going to get out of him. And you don't sign guys for what they've done. You sign you sign them for what they're going to do. If the Bears thought Sitton was still going to be a top-end lineman for the rest of his contract, he wouldn't be in this position right now. I think that's a good enough reason, all the other things notwithstanding, to not re-sign him. All those things, not different between 2016 and now. So let's just move on from the idea of Josh Sitton. The larger point is beware recognizable names. I think recognizable names are a huge pitfall when it comes to thinking rationally about what teams should do in free agency and the draft. The recognizable guys are always the easy ones. They're always the the easy solutions. You know of a guy because he's been good in the past. And so you, your brain tells you, well, that guy can probably be good in the future. That's how things work for everything else. That works for the things that you eat, the foods that you eat, the restaurants you go to, the, the brands that you buy for things like clothes and the stuff that you use to take care of your house or your car, or things like that. You start to trust brands. Players aren't brands. Uh, they're human beings and they, they change over time a lot more quickly than brands do or, or products do. And uh, you're not going to get necessarily the same return on your investment just because you know about something and they're a seemingly known quantity just because you know them, just for that reason alone. So beware the recognizable names, and that's uh, that's popping up again in the draft. Most of the guys that the Packers end up drafting or any other team ends up drafting drafting are not going to be people that you've heard about unless you're an insane draftnik of some sort. And if that's your thing, I, good for you, I guess. But uh, just beware the recognizable names and don't let yourself get caught up in them just because you know who they are. That's one of the reasons I've been leery of the Packers going after a guy like Malcolm Butler. Sure, he's been good in the past, but is he just a name now or or what? I don't have a definitive answer for that. If the price is right, maybe, but um, I don't really know much about him beyond his name. So just beware the names. Speaking of names, we got to talk about one big name in NFL media. Just the media in general, Colin Cowherd is a is a, a not good at actual analysis uh, beyond just getting actual facts wrong and um, having half baked takes that are just uh, a collection of inflammatory words as opposed to actual reasoning. Um, there are many issues with Colin Coward. He's clearly done a good enough job to keep getting big contracts from from networks and and so on and so forth. So can't fault him for that. Um, he's clearly had a measure of success to some degree in that in his area of work. But uh, last week, late last week, he offered this take that the Packers championship window is closed. He's wrong. Um, but it's not the sort of thing that we should spend a lot of time evaluating on its merits because I think we can we can do one better. We can just evaluate um, the rhetorical techniques themselves. This to me is an empty stance posing as a hot take. It is not a hot take to say, or it's not a, a take at all to say that somebody's championship window is closed because the entire idea of having a window is flawed. Just look at the people who have won Super Bowls in recent history or been contenders for the Super Bowl in recent history other than the Patriots. It's not a lot of teams that have been like, yes, we are going to establish this window in which we are going to be relevant and we'll have to retool and, and see what happens. No, it's, it's mostly teams that got good for a year or two years, then got hot in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. That is how most Super Bowls tend to be won. You get a team together for a year you make it to the playoffs, that's always your first goal, and then you hope to get hot. You hope to have a better run through those three or four games that you have to play than everybody else. That's not. That shouldn't be earth-shattering analysis, but in the way that we couch our discussions about the NFL, it seems like it is, because we're, we're always told about things like windows and opportunities and, and needing to, to get to a team that is capable of winning the Super Bowl. These windows, if there are any, open and close a lot quicker than people are willing to believe. The better question is whether a team is a contender or not. And the Packers are. Uh, And any team that has a top-end quarterback is going to be a contender as long as they continue to have that top-end quarterback. Look even at 2015 and 2016 for the Packers. Those were not phenomenal teams. 2015, the Packers struggled mostly because Aaron Rodgers struggled. But they were one busted coverage away from being on their way to the NFC Championship game. And if they win the NFC Championship game, who knows what happens in the Super Bowl. Same thing in 2016. They got real injured down the stretch. uh, Got blasted by a team that was way healthier and way better equipped than they were in the NFC Championship game. But again, they catch the Falcons on a bad day. Aaron Rodgers goes nuclear in Atlanta again. And suddenly the Packers are in the Super Bowl and you're able to just see what happens. The idea that a team is going to have this window in which they are a contender and then not a contender because of some factor other than the quarterback is is kind of ludicrous because of so many other things that would have to go go well. I mean, just look at the Vikings. If there's any team with a window, it's a team like them because they've got this this excellent defense that's going to be good for a while. It seems like they should be able to win a Super Bowl for the next three to five years, perhaps. But are they an absolute contender because uh, I, because of the questions at their quarterback position? I don't know. And I think it, it's a fair question to ask. Cowherd's take is flawed on its face because you could take any team in the NFL and ask, do you think this team is going to win the Super Bowl or do you think one of the other 31 teams in the NFL is going to win the Super Bowl? And with every 31 of those teams, the better bet – or all 32 of those teams, the better bet is the field. Just because of how many things have to go right for you to get to the Super Bowl at all. So don't worry about the window being closed or open because chances are there's not a window at all. The Packers are going to be a contender as long as they have Aaron Rodgers. Last I checked, they still have Aaron Rodgers because wouldn't you know it, Colin Cowherd turned out to be wrong about Aaron Rodgers being able to opt out of his contract this offseason. Wouldn't you know it. Before we dive into our main topic, uh, I've got to take a second um, to thank you. Usually, I, I do a promotion or something like this, talking about our Patreon or our Teespring or something like that. Something where you know you give us money because these are typically where the ads go in a podcast. But I've got to take a little time to thank you. Um, a peek behind the curtain into my personal life. Things have been going a little bit weird in the last eight months or so. Not bad, just a little bit weird. Uh, We've been in the process of trying to relocate, my wife and I. Uh, It has taken a lot longer than we thought it was going to. Um, It's been a lot harder to get some career stuff sorted out than we thought it was going to. And really, it's just been an enormous headache. We're fine. Everything's fine. You don't have to feel bad for us. But for me, it's been really great and really rewarding to be able to not only spend some time doing this podcast and doing the power sweep every week, but to see it grow and thrive. And that's all thanks to you, people who read this stuff, who listen to this stuff, who spend time interacting with us. You know, I I had no illusions about this being wildly successful when he started it. And I'm not sure even that we've reached wild success yet, but it's been more successful than I imagined it being. And the numbers week over week and month over month and year over year bear that out. And again, that's all thanks to you. That's been super rewarding. It's been a big relief to have during a time in our life where there's a lot of other things going on that are not super, uh, well, they're not bad, but uh, they are kind of a headache sometimes. So thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for your patience as we we continue to work through this and grow and change and get better at all this. And thank you most of all for listening and reading and sharing and and clicking like and retweeting and favoriting and all that, because that all means a lot to me. And I'm thankful that you're willing to do it. So so thank you for that. There, I've shared my feelings. I've done my yearly feeling sharing. Ah, that feels pretty good. Glad to have that out of the way. We'll check back in next February. I guess it was just Valentine's Day last week. So uh, sharing some feelings, I guess, is, is okay. Moving right along. I think Mike McCarthy is coaching for his job in 2018. And here's why. We know a few things. First, Mike McCarthy is going into the second to last year of his contract. But coaches rarely get to the last year of their contract, much less have their contract, contracts expire. Happened to Marvin Lewis this past, or this offseason, and he uh, was signed to an, an extension with the, I guess technically a new contract with the Bengals. Uh, but other than that, it really is, is unusual for a coach to get to the last year of his contract and then have people decide what they're going to do with him. So in effect, this is the last year of McCarthy's contract. The Packers did have an opportunity to extend him, but they chose only to add that single year, not giving him that additional job security of a a long-term contract, a longer-term contract. We also know that this is the second time that McCarthy has done a major staff overhaul. This is the most coaches he's turned over in one offseason since about 2009. So he's riding into 2018 with his hand-picked staff, a mid-30s MVP caliber quarterback, and his first injection of a new perspective on defense in nearly a decade. What else is there for Mike McCarthy to fine-tune? He's got what he wants. He's been here a long time. He's got an all-world quarterback. It's time for some action. I think it's more a question of what Mike McCarthy has to do to keep his job as we head into the 28 season than what he would have to do to lose it. Because Whether you believe the Packers are wasting Aaron Rodgers or that they should have won more Super Bowls by now or not, the fact is that they haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010. And how many shots do you give a guy to get back to that game after he wins it? So with all that in mind, I think it's McCarthy coaching to keep his job rather than to avoid losing it in 2018. So let's explore a little bit about what it would take for Mike McCarthy to keep his job. Much like this series we've been doing over the past few weeks, dating back almost a month now, I think it's all about meeting expectations and defining what those expectations are. Expectations for coaches vary pretty wildly for coaches at different points in their careers. Bill Belichick is probably past expectations at this point. If... Patriots fans have any expectations for Bill Belichick at this point. I don't know what they could possibly be because he has given them more than any sports fan could ever hope to have in like five lifetimes. Just the level of success that he's had. Belichick should be beyond having any expectations. Heading into 2017, think though on the opposite end of the spectrum what the expectations for a guy like Doug Peterson were. He was heading into his second season as a head coach. A, you know, decent enough for a season, uh, but a young quarterback, a defense that had some pieces, but, you know, who really knows? Defenses can be fickle from season to season. What do you really expect from Doug Peterson in, in that respect, especially playing in the NFC East, which is always a competitive division, uh, sometimes competing to be the least worst team, but, you know, competitive nonetheless. Mike McCarthy, falls somewhere in between those two coaches, 2017 Doug Peterson, pre-Super Bowl Doug Peterson, and the immortal Bill Belichick. I think expectations for McCarthy has to be have to be pretty high. He's been in this gig a long time. Uh, there's no more excuses about being new to the job or you know not having the roster he wants, not having the coaching staff that he wants, not even having the general manager he wants. All that talk about needing a good fit in, in a general manager. He got the guy that he wanted. He got Brian Gutekunst. So then what are the expectations? I think it's helpful first and foremost to lay out what the expectations are not. First and foremost, they aren't just making the playoffs. The, I think that's a, a fairly decent expectation, a baseline expectation for Aaron. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you should be able to at least make the playoffs. So that's not going to save Mike McCarthy if if the Packers make just make the playoffs. Conversely, they also aren't Super Bowl or bust. Uh, this 2018 season isn't going to be an all-out failure if Mike McCarthy fails to win a Super Bowl for the Packers. I think it's somewhere in between those two ex- extremes in in terms of you know Packers success. Maybe more than making just making the playoffs. Maybe less than winning the Super Bowl. To me, I think this is a situation of need needing to see a certain level of success, some improvement, and overall feel for where the program is under McCarthy. Let's define success. To me, success for Mike McCarthy and the Packers in 2018 would be a convincing NFC North title win. The Minnesota Vikings have lived on the top for far too long, and this one season has been absolutely far too long. The Packers need to knock them off the top of the NFC North and say that as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback in Green Bay, the road to being the NFC North champs, is going to go through the Packers. That's step one. Step two, I think, is advancing at least to the divisional round of the playoffs, hopefully with a bye. The Packers need to be dominant enough in the regular season that they get to the divisional round either by a bye or a convincing wild card win. No more of these backing into the playoffs sort of situations, really needing a win in, in Week 16 and 17, trying to run the table, what have you. No more of that. The Packers need to be dominant in the regular season and get to the playoffs on their own strength, not needing help from anybody else. Those are the lowest level, I think, uh, of success that you could expect from Mike McCarthy, reasonably expect from Mike McCarthy. I think it's been since about 2014 that the Packers were really a dominant team at any point during the regular season. So that's been, it'll be four years now heading into 2018 before the Packers were really a, a, a tough team to face or really scared people heading into the playoffs. So I think that's, that's what you need to see just in terms of the, the numbers, the basic numbers, the wins, the titles, what have you. Stuff that's easy to define. From here, it gets a little bit more tricky. When you start talking about improvement, what do you mean? The fact of the matter is the Packers really didn't scare anybody on offense or on defense in 2017. When Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, when healthy Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, they were scary. Uh, and I think you saw teams like the Cowboys and the Bengals really feel the heat from what it meant to face a, a dialed-in Aaron Rodgers. You know, winning the game in overtime against the Bengals, then that incredible drive to beat the Cowboys, uh, that, that's as good as it gets. And I think when you have Aaron Rodgers out there and he's clicking like that, then things are pretty scary. But once he was gone... There was no amount of coaching that made the Packers scary on offense, and the defense was just an absolute train wreck in which players had given up by the end of the season. That just has to be better. And if there's any situation in which this team is going to improve in those areas, it's the coaching staff in 2018. To say nothing of the players that they may acquire this offseason, They've got a coaching staff in place that should be able to get improvement out of these guys. Well-regarded assistant coaches joining the Packers from teams around the league. Not only that, but again, Mike McCarthy has had his pick of guys to make things better. So if the Packers can't improve with this group, uh, with the, the group of coaches that McCarthy has picked, and if they can't be better than they were in 2017, nobody in this coaching staff has any business being involved with the Packers. It just has to be better. Then it comes down to things like Perception and feel for the team. Just some some general questions about the Packers. When have you felt energy around this team? When have you felt a sense of general competence, making sure all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted? When was there a sense of innovation around the Packers? When was the last time you felt like the Packers were ahead of the curve in any area? I have a hard time thinking of things. I mean, near the start of the 2016 season, the Packers are doing a lot of interesting things with guys not really having defined positions on the offensive line and being able to play a bunch of different spots, similar stuff on the defensive line and in their linebacking group. But really, that's about all I can think of in terms of play calling, play design, You know, their use of, of analytics or, or things like that. It feels like the Packers have never been ahead of the curve that feeling of energy, vitality around the Packers. Without getting into a discussion about Mike McCarthy's weight, this is something that I do kind of tend to agree with Bob McGinn about. There's just no sense of fire or, or drive or intensity around the top end of the Packers organization, and that includes Mike McCarthy. Then things like general competence. McCarthy, again, pretty good at this generally, but in 2017, you saw a lot of that start to fall apart. You know, running plays on on defense with you know ten nine guys on the field, not being able to get play calls in quickly, not having Brett Hundley seem prepared enough to to run basic offense for the Packers. That's some stuff that a good coach should be able to straighten out. And Mike McCarthy didn't seem to have a super great handle on that in 2017. If he can't do better in that area, I think you're not feeling super great about the team, no matter what they do in terms of success. The success itself. Is probably the ultimate thing. But I think all three of these these factors, the success on the field, the general feeling of improvement, and the, the perception of a team in terms of their energy and, and just where they stand in the NFL, that's where the Packers need to improve. And if they don't make strides in those areas, I don't know how you justify Mike McCarthy keeping his job into 2019. The wild card in all of this is Mark Murphy. With the Packers leadership structure the way it is now. He's the guy making all these calls. So what's it take for him to fire Mike McCarthy since he has the final say over who's the head coach of the Green Bay Packers? What's it take? What is his criteria? Given how the general manager search appeared to go, at least from the outside, I'm not sure Mark Murphy has defined criteria. That may not be a bad thing, but it does make you wonder a little bit. You should be able to plan for these things ahead of time, when your only decisions on stuff like coaching are going to pop up a couple times a year, you should be prepared in advance for those sorts of things. I wonder if Mark Murphy is, just with the evidence that we've seen from him in the past. While I've got you here, I want to ask you one simple question. What do you want? That's not meant to be a slight at anybody, but you know, as we head deeper into the offseason, I'm always trying to get people the content that they are interested in. I'm working on some stuff behind the scenes that I hope you like, but it's mostly stuff that I'm interested in. And uh, I want to make sure that we're always serving our our fine readers and listeners at Blue58 and ThePowerSweep.com. So tell me, let me know what you want. Reach out on Facebook, on Twitter. Email, and I'll give all that info in a second. But do you want to see in-depth profiles on potential draft targets? Do you want to look at free agents before anybody hits the market? Do you just want us to be first in analyzing what free agents could bring to the Packers once they're signed? What sort of things are important to you? What do you want to see from a Green Bay Packers, you know, news and opinion site like thepowersweep.com, and from a podcast like this? Let me know. I'm very interested in your thoughts and I would appreciate any thoughts that you give me. That's all I've got for you this week. You can find us as you do each and every week, each and every day, in fact, at thepowersweep.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Just search The Power Sweep in either of those locations. If you would like to reach out to us via email, you may do so at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. And if you'd like to reach me personally, probably the easiest way to do that is on Twitter. Check out at John Meerdink, J-O-N-M-E-E-R-D-I-N-K, and you will be able to make contact with me. Check that pretty regularly, so get in touch. If you'd like to support us, do so at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. We have racked up a good group of supporters there, but we can always use more to help keep this thing going. If you like to look good while you support us, you may do so by purchasing a t-shirt via the store link at thepowersweep.com that will take you to our Teespring store. And as always, the freest and easiest way to support us is by giving us a review on iTunes. That helps more people find the show. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give me helps us make this entire operation better and helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we're all trying to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.